With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Zach trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The NBA playoffs have begun, and what a start it has been. It has been incredibly exciting, and the one thought on everybody's mind is, hey, if you had to hand out awards to the 22-win Cleveland Cavaliers, which ones would you hand out? We, we will do that on today's episode. We're going to be handing out Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Best Performance in a Leading Role, in a Supporting Role, all that good stuff. And with me today to do that is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Um, well, I realized I had my headphones way too loud for that intro. I just blew my freaking ears out. So that's you hate to see that. Well, um, finally, you're, you're listening to me. That That's that's something well, that we, uh, barely, we needed to work on. Barely, one could argue, because I, I am ringing uh, right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, playoffs have been awesome so far. Uh, I've actually gotten a chance to watch some of it, uh, which, you know, uh, unlike a lot of the regular season, ha, 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 am I right, Cavs fans? But, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Playing was awesome. Playoffs have been awesome so far. Mm-hmm. I really only think there's like one series I don't care about. Yeah, it's honestly, I'm not that excited for Utah Memphis. Uh, it does get a little interesting with Mitchell out for game one. Um, I, I kind of like the John Morant arrival. That That's fun. Dylan Brooks brings that Canadian flavor. Let's Before we get into these Cavs awards, I do actually want to talk a little bit of uh, the play-in and playoffs. I, I know that was kind of primarily our focus of our last podcast, but we can talk a little bit of that at the beginning. I think the play-in was a massive hit. Um, yeah. I, I've, I mean, seen, I've seen a few people kind of say, well, Steph got knocked out, so it's not great. Well, yeah, but, that's, those are, that's stupid people. It is stupid people. It's it's just so funny to me that when for so long the argument has been, hey, the playoffs are a little too predictable. We need a little more parity. Uh, we need the randomness that comes with the NFL or NCAA tournament. And then when you have an up and coming star and John Morant knock off Steph Curry, you have people say, oh, this was a failure. We We, we wanted what seems familiar. We wanted what was predictable. Yeah, I have a hard time giving a damn about what any of those people think because I just don't. I don't think they're good faith arguments, man. I don't think they're the kind of arguments that come for people who actually really like basketball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny when you look at a one game play in or a two game play in these single elimination basketball, basically, and there is there is probably not a great competitive case for it, right? You know, um, there is. We know that the best of seven series is the best way to litigate basketball. And, you know, we would never, ever do like a single elimination finals. But I work in the competitive space in, in esports. And we have a competitive operations team that, and their whole job is to build product, build tournament formats and products, right? That have a maximum excitement and fairness, you know, best competitive integrity possible. And it's funny, I always kind of joke with them because. We spend all this time trying to think about what the most equitable format is, the format that's best for players. And then March Madness is the most popular tournament in the planet, you know, which is single elimination, the least fair, the least, um, you know, the least rewarding to the better team. And we love it. So ultimately, it's funny because I don't think anyone 
designing basketball. I don't think James Naismith was thinking about watchability uh, when he was <laughs> coming up with the game. He was just trying to think, find a fun game. But the NBA, I think people need to understand that the NBA does have two people two kind of parties to please here, which is the competitive integrity side of things, but then also the fun side of things. And even if the plan isn't the best for competitive integrity, it's so good for fun mm-hmm. and meaningful basketball and kind of a, a it's almost like a, an entree to the playoffs uh, in terms of kind of getting the viewers ready for that level of basketball. I loved it. And, you know, even if you're going to get more of the Eastern Conference plans, which weren't as thrilling with the exception of Tatum's 50-point game. But, you know, even if you end up with more Wizards Pacers than you maybe wanted originally, like the moments where it is great are so fun. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that we have crowds back in some capacity is also knocking this up to another gear. Like, he, hearing the reaction of a live audience makes such a big difference when you've had empty gyms for the majority of this season or um, a smaller crowds that don't really have the same impact. And I almost feel like the play-in tournament is the inverse of what we've talked about with the lottery odds, where we think the lottery odds are stupid, even though it probably is going to benefit the Cavs compared to the old system. Like, as much as there's still the opportunity for the Cavs to fall further than they would have in the old system, the opportunity as the fourth best team to jump up is better than it has been in the past. We think it's stupid even though it's going to benefit the Cavs, whereas this plan could really come back to hurt the Cavs. Like, if they have next season, if things go as I've kind of predicted as I've been looking into my crystal ball and this is a 7 or 8 seed, there's a decent chance that you lose two games and all of a sudden the record states that the Cavs didn't make the playoffs even though they had a productive season. With that in mind, I still think that this is a good format. I I think that this is really exciting. Uh, Your observation that it's an entree to the playoffs, I I think, is really accurate because I think it kind of gets everybody into that mindset. There's a difference from regular season basketball. And I just love the fact that, yeah, it kind of sucks to be put in this position where you're in the play-in tournament. So go out and get six. Go out and get a top six seed. Seeding matters more than ever now go up and and be aggressive. I I think that's such a good incentive for teams that are in that middle to take the next step, to to really push to be better. And as far as I'm concerned, man, uh, and I said this on the last spot, I really do believe that playoff contention is a top six. I think 12 teams make the playoffs now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I know a lot that's probably, I think some might find that to be an irritatingly charitable take, but that's how I feel. If I'm, if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, in the five, six, seven spot, I'm freaking out because I'm trying to make sure I duck that plan. Yeah. So you know, to me, I think it was a, re- a massive success, and the playoffs themselves have been really, really fun so far. Like, what's the game you want to talk about first? I, because I, the Lakers, whoo, not looking Lakers, good, my friend. Yeah, Lakers Suns is obviously fresh in the memory. Um, I'm, I felt sick, and I still feel a little sick about Chris Paul uh, hurting his arm. Um, I, I really hope that he's going to be okay because I love seeing the, the Suns back in playoff basketball. Like that is something that takes me back to like my formative years watching, <laughs> watching the NBA and falling in love with it with those Steve Nash Suns. That was uh, my pre-Twitter team from the West that I always uh, rooted for. Um, and yeah, it, it's great to see them playing well. 
uh, in absolutely manhandling. Anthony Davis is really fun. It's not the bubble anymore, buddy. Oh, um, man. Mikhail Bridges played great. Devin Booker arrived on, on the playoff stage. Like, it, it's so much fun, and I just love how open the field is. Like, don't you, you feel like don't you feel like Devin Booker is one of those examples where like there's always this push and pull between Cavs Twitter, Cavs NBA Twitter, and players on who to evaluate. Like it feels like Devin Booker is one everyone needed to trust the players on. You know, like yeah. three years ago they're like this kid's bananas good, and we're like yeah, but the metrics. And I just don't think I think we just should have trusted him because like he was a tailor made playoff player, and it really really showed in this game. Yeah, and he's one of those players where the high watermarks, as I like to say, were always really impressive. Like, he could do some really next-level stuff. He could elevate over guys. Like His really explosive games were always at such a high level that you would figure, as he continues to improve in the margins and round out his game, he's going to be able to do that more and more consistently, and he's able to find that gear that not a lot of guys are. I just love kind of how open it's been though like to me it's really fun to see Luka Doncic go off against the Clippers and them have no answer for him even though they're a team with Kawhi Leonard Paul George and Patrick Beverly who they tried throwing all three of them I can't believe can uh, Ty come on Ty don't put (laughs) Pat Beverly on Luka Doncic that's disrespectful at this stage he's too small he's too small he's too small and honestly (laughs) like doesn't it like bother you that they don't start with George or Kawhi on them? Like that bothers me, man. Like, yeah. come on. This you're not this is not the series nor the player to like kind of half ass it if you have an elite defensive option. And mm-hmm. it's not like you know, if it were just Kawhi or just Paul George, you know, and they had to exclusively carry the load on offense, okay, sure. But like the fact that you got both of them and neither of them are ready to take that assignment by default it just seems like i don't know that just bugs me that bugs the the basketball prs in me like i get why lebron wasn't taking top assignments or and hasn't for some time mm-hmm. like it just feels worse here oh it, absolutely does like it, marcus morris or pat beverly like come on those dudes are food mm-hmm. and it's it, not like they're bad defenders but you're dealing with a super duper star here yeah, it, it really feels like, and I expect them to make some adjustments. Ties typically can, good can, at that stuff. Can we pivot but, all over the place? Because I do want to ask you about the Lakers Suns before we move off at all. Yeah, no, let's let's go our, all over the place our, because our, I, our, I don't want to spend too much of the podcast on this, but uh, I, I definitely have a, a lot to talk about here. So, are we worried about the Lakers? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think we are. T- I think I am too, and I think that going into the last playoffs, I couldn't believe the certainty in them. Mm-hmm. because I thought this is a team full of, like, they're, they're kind of like Boston, where they're full of theoretical shooters, but no one that, like, absolutely petrifies you. And then they just made all their shots. Yeah, a- Anthony and, Davis just hit absolutely everything from three. Rondo, although yeah, I, I guess believe he Rondo was like, did it again. Yeah, um, I believe he was 20% above his career average from mid-range and from three-pointer. So some, something in that neighborhood, uh, Mason Ginsburg has the tweet. I've retweeted it 30 times uh, mm-hmm. where he talks about just what an outlier uh, AD's postseason was. So it's like if the jumpers aren't there, then the spacing is really, really borked. And I don't think that they're And I thought that I at least at least I liked the Schroeder pickup because I'm like they I didn't trust the shooting from last year. I'm still furious at Jr. for saying the 2020 Lakers were better than the 2016 Cavaliers. How yeah, dare you, Jr. Smith? But 
like i thought okay all these weak points like are going to show up in a non-bubble environment where everyone can shoot the hell out of the ball so i i like the idea of like add some pick and roll players that can that can do some other stuff but if the spacing's not there i just don't know what they're supposed to do offensively well well carter Taylor Horn Tucker is going to be good in about five years. So when he's good in five years, people will be laughing at the takes that they needed a Kyle Lowry that they, they yeah. needed to make a move. Also, no, like this was always also, this was always my thing with the the Lakers. Like uh, especially LeBron re-injuring himself. Like he's someone that's always needed a bit of a ramp up. Even in the bubble when he had yep, time yep, off. Yep. yep, yep. He needed a ramp up. And the fact that the Clippers, I'm going to endorse them throwing those games down the stretch to avoid the Lakers because uh, one of them was the Thunder, and I, I think that might work out to our benefit. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't want to play them right away is insane to me. Like, th- this is exactly what we were talking about. LeBron looks good, but well, he doesn't. Fairness, they, you know what they're betting? They're betting on the Suns doing their work for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's In fair. Fairness, but... though, they're going to have to get out of their own first-round series. But know, if man. the Lakers were fully healthy, Suns-Lakers yeah. could have been the Western Conference Finals. There's For a sure. ver- very decent chance that, that that was the way that it was going to play out. And to me, like you want to knock off the Lakers as early as possible. Like You want to get at them early. I don't think the series is necessarily over. No. I, I think it's going to go the distance. But th- how shaky they look is kind of proof of my point that you probably want to play them earlier in the playoffs to have your best shot at upsetting them. Yeah, it's time to get rid of Andre Drummond. Uh, oh, in, in the rotation, I, it's time for me to eat my crow as well because I thought, hell, I, I, I maybe just believed in LeBron a little too much to get somebody to work hard. But I mean, both their bigs. I mean, AD and Drummond, flat foot city in game one. Like I, so many challenges with them sitting on their heels, and it's like you can't do that with two elite mid range finishers and CP3 and Booker. Like you have to be up and challenging them, and they have the size to recover too. So I don't think this is. You know, I, maybe they would say I had to protect the rim. I don't buy it. I don't. I didn't see active feet. And on defense against this Suns team, you're going to need it. And I don't know, man. But Drummond is just. I mean, they need some IQ on the floor. And honestly, I, Carter, and it's time to unearth Marcus Saul. What it is is Frank Vogel and LeBron just can't get the same production out of Andre Drummond that JB Bickerstaff can. Like, well, the, it does stand the, to reason. the best. The best Drummond we saw was in Cleveland. <laughs> so maybe uh, that's what it comes down to. I just maybe. love that. This feels like a little bit of a passing of the torch playoffs. Like it really feels like this young crop of talent that the, the league is kind of built up is taking that next step. They, they're stepping up, whether it be Luca, whether it be Devin Booker, John Morant knocking Chris off Steph Paul. Curry. Yeah, yeah, Chris Paul. You know that 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 young whippersnapper, that that little whippersnapper, Jimmy Butler. Like all, all these guys are are just stepping up in exciting ways. Drew Holiday, all, all these guys you never heard of. I, I just feel like this is a really good showing for the youth of today's NBA, and that, that has me excited. But we can pivot now. We, we can, unless you have anything else to add about the playoffs. Let's oh, get into I, I some have, of the I have, I have one, one joke that's not really a joke. Okay. If, if Chris Middleton uh, scored 50 points a game, I still think I'd go, hey, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Windish is going to come jumping down your throat. I, I don't know what it you. is about that man, but I just am not. I, maybe it's just people trying to tell me that he's an all-star too, too emphatically, but something about me just goes, eh, it's just not all the way there. It's not quite as good as you want him to be. As Look, they Chris, need him to Chris be. Middleton he was awesome, is good enough but... to be a number two. Drew's good enough to be a number three. We'll see if Giannis is good enough to be a number uh, he one. He ain't yet. He ain't yet. I'm not it writing it off, but way. I just don't think. That way. 
why can't he get the he needs an eight footer that's all the man needs to become the most unstoppable player on the planet screw the three pointers screw the off the dribble 18 footer just an eight footer when they put a seven two dude two inches from the rim he needs to be six feet away from the rim and just push a little floater in no he needs 12 seconds to shoot an eight footer that's all it is yeah it's come on man you can do this Giannis. (laughs) you can do it i'm rooting for you oh boy Giannis, he's got he's still young he's got plenty of time to improve i just just, turned 26 i I just thought it was nobody wins nobody wins a title before 26 I, I thought this year might be a little different. I thought he had another gear. I'm skeptical, but I'd love to see him prove me wrong. But he's got plenty of time to improve, just as these young calves have plenty of time to improve. And let's start things off with our year-end awards. We're doing a little bit of an NBA Oscars-type hybrid awards-type thing. Call them the Cavsies. Call them whatever you want. Most improved player, Carter, who do you have for this season? Well, not you, given that you call them the Cavsies. Um... I got to say for this one, it's got to be Darius. Um, And I know there's some people who are anti-second-year players getting such honors, but he just really, in my opinion, took the jump from being guy who makes good-looking plays, but the numbers don't reflect it to the numbers starting to reflect it. Mm -hmm. And I thought he did the work in the offseason to get his body in in a place to be able to kind of absorb more of the rigors of the season. Um, and again, he just changed his shot diet. He got smarter with how he how he played in the second half of the year. So to me, I don't really know if there's much competition. You know, Sexton got better, but like you know, more on the margins. Okoro is a is a child and doesn't get doesn't qualify as a rook. Yeah. Um, and you know, and honestly, I wish I'd seen some more uh, big improvements from the fringes of the roster. I just didn't see it. So I would say Darius. Yeah, it it really feels like, and we were talking about this offline, but it feels like the Cavs got about best case scenario with all of the core four. Uh, Maybe the the exception being Jared Allen uh, with with the concussion, which took a little while to bounce back. Yeah, way the season ended for Jared leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth, I think. Just just a little bit. But you actually, uh, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but it made me think. You know how the Cavs have had so many guys that have come back from concussions and it's clear like it takes weeks for them to get all the way sharp? It uh-huh. gives me a little more appreciation for Kevin Love in the 2016 finals because we, when we did our rewatch, he was so good in game one and like coming back from that concussion, like it's very understandable why he was not himself in that series. And I, I think him not being himself doesn't get discussed enough there. I mean, we talked about during, when we did our city of champions pod where mm-hmm. we rewatched every game. I mean, he was out on his feet for half that series. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really tough thing to overcome. Um, it, it would be really funny <laughs> to give a most improved player t- uh, to a rookie. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. You mentioned a as you know, listing guys off. I will give Sexton credit for this. Because in his I mean, it's first... between those two, right? The back, it's between Sexland. Yeah, it, it really. Is. Actually, you know who it, you know who actually deserves consideration. I feel silly for not including it. Your Nancy. boy Dean Dean Wade. Oh, Dean Wade's a great one, actually. Because Dean was he was a guy that I felt like okay, he's not any like not to be a jerk or anything, but like he's just a guy, you know, an end of bench filler that's going to spend a couple years in the mostly in the G League, might play two five minutes a game in mop-up duty and then we saw the g league numbers and we're like oh 
he has an he's an archetype that is not bad. He can shoot volume threes while playing a, as a legitimate four, and and in a lot of ways, I think he helped save their season mm-hmm. when they were in that downward spiral and he started uh, started getting minutes at the four. The only reason I don't know if it, he's a most improved is because we don't really know what he had last season. He didn't get a real chance to show it. But I mean, just year over year in terms of impact, I think he definitely deserves to be mentioned, even if Garland's the pick. Yeah, I mean, both Dean Wade and Darius Garland were guys that you didn't think belonged in the NBA last year. So you I, are the I, worst, man. <laughs> I really am. Um, I, that's a, he is a really good honorable mention uh, because I think at this point, like he, he's kind of proven himself as he's a rotation player. Like I, I think he's someone that you can factor in uh, a little bit. Like he's not a cornerstone piece that you build around. Um, I will give Sexton credit for this because his first two seasons, the first half of those years or first third of those years were ugly. Like he, this is the first time he's really put together a complete season. And he did have that stretch where the three point shot kind of left him after he was dealing with a hamstring injury. But even then he was scoring efficiently and he was still productive. So the fact that he put together such a complete year, I think is noteworthy and needs to be brought up. But I, I do think that the, the clear pick is Darius Garland. Like the, the fact that he has gone from somebody that, like when they were doing redrafts last year, he wasn't showing up in the top 15. And now he's pretty firmly like if you're doing one of those, he's top four, top five at worst. And he's established himself as kind of the consensus. When you hear people talk about the Cavs, he's the top prospect. He's that top guy, the the guy that has the potential to be a foundational piece for them. So uh, I I do think that Garland deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, Would you you say that if he was, uh, you know, being, uh, redrafted out of the top 15 that maybe the rest of the league might not have uh, viewed him as uh, being worth a lottery pick, Ziggy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. You're bringing that back up. Just kidding. Just kidding, Look at Zig. you go, man. Look I'm being you. annoying. Anyway, uh, no, he was awesome uh, and uh, very much cemented himself as the number one piece in the rebuild by, I think, a healthy margin. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. And... You know, when you kind of you kind of get a sense of how the people are starting to talk about him, that he is the ceiling raiser. He's the reason they become they they take they take the next step. And obviously, I still think they're looking for their number one. But if he keeps growing at this trajectory, I think Cavs fans should be thrilled. Yeah, I, I think there's for me if I'm projecting him out, I, I kind of view him as the number two, and that's really good. Like I, I think the Cavs have multiple guys that are capable of being number two. Garland's just the one that I'm most confident in his ability to fit with just about anybody. Like I, I think that that's a really valuable trait. Uh, the the way that he plays on and off ball, the way he's improved defensively this year. Um, I, I think most of his shortcomings on defense have to do with size and strength and kind of physical maturity more so than effort or basketball IQ he, he seems to be pretty locked in on that end of the floor even though the results aren't quite there they still were a better defensive team when he was on the floor versus off uh, but while we're talking about defense let's go with defensive player of the year and to me there's two candidates here um, I, I guess actually three. First you, three you got Isaac Okoro who has had such difficult matchups throughout the season um, I think top five in terms of like opponents guarded uh, in terms of quality, uh, you got Larry Nance Jr., who was exceptional for the time that he was in there, uh, but only played 35 games and was probably healthy for about 20 of them. And then Jared Allen, who made a real big impact at times, but as we mentioned, after the concussion, things weren't as sharp. Uh, which direction do you lean, Carter? I think you're just kind of choosing 
this is almost like the Larry Bird uh, thing where you're kind of trying to figure out uh, peak over longevity here. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big, like, peak guy. Um, and to that end, it's Larry Nance for me. Like, obviously, you know, you could argue that his lack of ability, uh, availability really hurt the team. And I wouldn't fight you too hard on that. But the only time the, the Cavs played legitimately good defense this season, like legitimately like bothered offenses, was when Larry Nance was on the floor. Yeah. So to that end, like Isaac's got the pieces um, to be a really, really great perimeter defender, especially against smaller guards. Um, Jarrett, I think, has all the potential in the world as a rim protector. But neither of them raised the Cavs floor or their mm-hmm. ceiling uh quite like Larry did and for that reason he's my pick. He's my pick as well. Um this is which, one of those which tells you that the Cavs did not have the best year that we're right. picking the guy who played thirty five games. No, absolutely. And the the thing that you didn't mention there that I think stands out when you watch Nance on the defensive end is just the communication. Like he is such a, a floor racer because he's telling everybody where to be. He, he's calling out um, defensive coverages. He's pointing things out to guys. And he's one of those coaches on the floor. And as you mentioned, like when he was out there, especially early in the year, it was a top 10 defense. And I, I don't necessarily think they are a top 10 defense. I, I don't think that they that would have sustained for the full season, even if he was healthy. But they, they would have been at least average, which they were up until May. Uh, they, they had an average defense. So I, I think it would have been better. I think Nance was the biggest difference maker for the Cavs this season. Uh, we can get into how you weigh that when we talk MVP of this team. Um, but on the defensive end, I, I just think Nance's consistency and the way that he made everybody else better and kind of raised that compete level on that end of the floor, uh, to me, that makes him kind of the clear candidate. Yeah, he's the quarterback of the defense, um, mm-hmm. and I think that he he kind of deserves the shout-out. Now, if they had him for 82 games, it just makes you wonder, like, what kind of impact he would have had. Maybe it would have tailed off. Who knows? But, you know, when he was out there, I felt him the most. And Their lottery odds wouldn't have been as good. It, yeah, I would I feel agree. very and confident. Like ultimately, and, and uh, not to be cap name drop here, but but Larry actually said this to, to me direct. He said, Kevin's the quarterback of the offense, and I'm the quarterback of the defense. And I really think that is, is, is very accurate. Uh, and this was very early in the year. This was when we were getting him on the pod for the preview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that that very much still holds true. You know, that that's where the IQ on the team resides. On, on either end of the ball. Now, Darius took a leap in a major way to being that QB of the offense. And I think at this stage of the season, I would probably say he probably is the QB in a lot of ways. But I, I think we the torches path. That, that yeah, was going to be my do see Kev, and I But I do think we see Kevin kind of lift, uh, lift it a little bit. I, I think he does. I, I think that is just the value of having that secondary playmaker um, alongside Garland. I, I think it adds another level to the offense. Um, but I, I do think that there was a passing of the torch, and, and Darius kind of took that. Now, the next award is interesting. So I said that we should come up with our best performance in a supporting role. So to me, means this means that they were not the best player in this individual game, but they were a key part of this game. So... I, we, I never really set ground rules on how to interpret this or how we were going to approach it, so I'm really curious to see where you went with this. I'd like you to make your pick first so I can uh, uh, think just a little bit longer. Okay, so I have an award winner, and I have three runner-ups. Uh, my award winner 
is Larry Nance versus Memphis, where he went 7-7 seven seven from the floor, 18 points, 4 assists, 3 steals, and plus 13, the game without Sexland. It was one of the ugliest games of the year, but it was such a fun win to get, and it was just it was in that stretch where this team was getting absolutely wrecked uh, by injuries. There's constant turnover, and the fact that they were able to put together such a great defensive performance, one of his better performances overall, and he was struggling with a shot a little bit going into this game and had that seven of seven performance. And it was just so much fun because it, it was a game that I, I think I saw the most uh, kind of appreciation for Nance on the timeline uh, outside of cast Twitter. Like, I, I think that's when some heads were turning about the difference he was making with this team. Well, I misinterpreted your goal for this award. So I was thinking it's like best role player. <laughs> So, see, I still think that was kind of a role player performance, but I do have yes, some. I, yes, I have... but I clearly I didn't pick out a bunch of box scores. Okay, uh, so you know, swing and a miss here for our planning. Um, <laughs> I like I it did, though. I, I like when things I actually, get weird. But I actually did immediately find a game that popped into mind as you started talking while you were filling. Uh, Dean Wade, sixteen points uh, and four made threes against the Toronto Raptors in a game that. Uh, was really, really important in March where it was like the season hadn't quite slipped away yet. Mm -hmm. And Dean just came out and just started firing. And it was like, oh, this is a guy who can actually start, you know, scoring in volume for this team. He's not just a, not just a guy who we can fill minutes with. And yeah, so that was, that was one of the, that was a performance that immediately popped into my head. And I was like, I got to go find that game in, in his game log. Yeah, see, I, I thought it would be fun to look back at some of these performances and, and remember. Yeah, it would have been time. nice for you to, you know, mention it. Yeah, <laughs> in pre-pro that that was the idea. <laughs> you know what? It probably would have been a good idea, but you know what? I'm I'm not the best le- leader. Yeah, I'm, well, I might you know, be. Uh, you know, you, you you have your days. You have your I, days where it's great, and you have your days where it's not so great. But I also like making you look bad, so that's uh, that's good. So just keep in that's mind nice. that that's also going to be the uh, the idea with the best performance in an individual role. Um, well, I, that I want... one's easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's fairly easy. Uh, some honorable mentions I have for the supporting role award: Isaiah Hardenstein versus was... the Spurs. Yeah, I was just Har- I was just looking through the Hardenstein game. Hardy against was, uh... the Spurs was awesome. Sixteen points, twelve boards, three assists, uh, playing a big role in that win. Where obviously Garland was the, the star in that performance with his career high. The other one that jumped out to me was Lamar Stevens against the Hawks. You only yeah, played fifteen. That was where I was going next. Yeah, but you're killing me. <laughs> You're welcome. You are absolutely welcome. Plus 12 in 15 minutes in a two-point win. Game-winning dunks. Eight points, two steals, two assists. Lamar Stevens was another one of those really can, great can, can I give you one uh, that was a real, real joy in the moment that, you know, now has been a little hampered by injury, but Windler going 5-5 five of five from three against Atlanta. Oh, man. That felt so good. And a one-point win, too. So those were all really, really, really important shots. And that was like, oh, that, it's it's happening. He's figuring it out. And then, unfortunately, started slumping really hard, got hurt, ended up out for the season. But, like, if there's been – if there is a blueprint for Dylan Windler, it is a three-game stretch on the 23rd, 24th, and 27th of February where he went uh, – actually, I'm sorry, just the 23rd and 24th. He ended up going 0-4. <laughs> I misread. Point is, he went 9 of 9 over two straight games um, from three. And it was like, oh, here he is. Here's the here's the sharpshooter that we were promised. 
Yeah, it, man, it was such a tough season for Windler. Um, not as tough as the year before, but not not the best. It's funny. Oh, super did... Sa- super sandwich in the chat. A great call up for a guy who had a very rough season uh, in, <laughs> in in Jetty Osman, who his twenty five points against the Nets. Oh yeah, uh, that's it, big. And I think that was the first game uh, of the big three era on the first half of that back to back with them. But uh, wow, yeah, that was an awesome game, and that's like that's why you don't all the way want to write off Jetty because they'll have games like that where you go, oh man, everything's looking really, really good. Uh, obviously, he had the season from hell. Um, all the percentages collapsed well below his career lows, uh, and I really hope that I hope that he proves to be one of those aberrations of, of a weird year. Yeah, uh, where he had a little too much put on him, and then you know the play style got messy. And just everything kind of unraveled for him. Um, but he did have some legitimate moments, especially early in the season when they were down all their guards. And Jetty was the only one who could even dribble the ball. Um, but yeah, that was a great, great moment against the Nets. I, I love that that call-up from Super Sandwich. Yeah, Jetty had some good games. Like, even that Memphis one that I talked about, mm-hmm. like, that was a good performance from him uh, w- without guards. Like, it, it really does seem, when you look at this year, he was at his best when he had the ball in his hands, which... Yeah, that that's a way to optimize Jetty, but it's probably not the best way to optimize a team unless he's doing that with the second unit um, because role players typically don't get to handle the ball that much, and, and he's going to have to find a way to find that balance. But uh, I agree with you. I, I don't know if he's going to be back next year, but wherever he is, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jetty had a bounce-back year. And, and Windler, I just want to touch on him just for a second as we're reminiscing about this season. It really is tough because... I felt like in February and even in January, um, he was doing some nice things on the floor. Like, I I think we were happy with him. He was shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, March, he got banged up and was kind of playing through an injury and things fell apart. Durability is going to be the the biggest thing with him. Um, But I I do think that we saw glimpses of him being a good role player. Now, you're you're looking back. We we mentioned redrafts before. I think it's pretty safe to say almost everybody would rather have Keldon Johnson at this point. Um, But... You know what? While I'm not banking on Windler being part of the rotation moving forward, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I saw enough basketball IQ and kind of little things. I, I think the shooting's good. It's just going to be whether or not he can get healthy and stay healthy. Like, that's the biggest yeah, question. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, ultimately, the jumper's got – if it's going to work for him, the jumper's going to have to be good. Yeah. Um, you know, everything else is nice. But, like, you want the defensive IQ, the the, the playmaking – the smart cuts to be the cherry on top, not the not the main uh, not the main dish. Yeah, and uh, the the shooting wasn't there uh, enough this season, no. and yeah, and 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 obviously the health wasn't there. So I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm really hoping he can get healthy, get right, get that jumper going because the pieces are there for him to be a productive shooter, but the numbers just didn't fit the bill. Yeah, and, and this is one of those guys that might be in a bit of a roster squeeze like i I think if they're drafting another forward or a guy that's going to play on the wing next season it's going to get tricky for him and and by the way that that's happened to the Cavs before hi joe harris Mm. (laughs) so like it sometimes guys get squeezed out even on teams that aren't great and then find their place elsewhere hi danny green and uh, like it just it's just it happens you know it's not working for them there they find a new location remember joe harris was out of the league yeah D- uh, danny after, green after, is another yeah. one where danny after, green was cut by the spurs after he was cut by the Cavs. they yes. picked him back up 
And, and I, I remember, um, I remember I used to work with a guy, this is, I used to work with a guy named Tim Doyle, uh, at my old network and he was a former Northwestern, uh, player mm-hmm. and he played in like a, like a charity run with, 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 uh, Joe Harris, uh, it, after he had gotten hurt in Orlando. And I was like, oh man, it's really not going to work out for him. Is it? It worked out pretty well for him. So, you know, like I, it, it just, you never know. Um, sometimes guys got to move. Uh, so even if he does get squeezed out, I don't think that means his career is done, nor would I think it means the Cavs are like terrible for not making it work. Sometimes life just lines up wrong in certain spots. I mean, look at poor Gordon Hayward in Boston. Oh my God. You know, yeah. like some, like him being really good in Charlotte this year has nothing to do with how he did in Boston. And, you know, it's circumstances align in a certain way, but I am very much rooting for him to figure out in Cleveland because they really need that kind of archetype of player. There's a reason our dear friends over at Lockdown Cavs want to throw throw the bag at Duncan Robinson. Ugh. I know, I hate it, but the yeah. point is, uh, I'd, I'd rather. Hey, I actually have a take there. I'd rather pay McBuckets. I'd rather pay McDermott because I think bang for buck, you could probably get him I, for like the MLE versus like yeah, twenty million I, a year. I, I completely agree, but let's not tangent too hard. Point is, Windler is who they want that kind of guy to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much rooting for it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you look at it like he, he was healthy in college. Um, he's someone that fit the archetype of the a player that you want to have. And one of my takes has always been late in the first round or in the second round. I like taking four-year guys out of college that you feel can be a good rotation player because you're going to get really good value. Like the bang for buck, if they hit and they are able to contribute in a rotation, is just so high that I, I think that it's a good way to go rather than taking massive swings at guys that are just ridiculously raw. Um, but we got to keep things moving here for the best performance by an individual this season. Carter. There's a pretty obvious one here, right? Uh, yeah, it would be Colin Sexton against the Nets. 42 points in an overtime win, scoring the last 20 points for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Luckily, this one did not require you to communicate much with me because I knew it right away. Uh, I mean, there's no other choice, correct? Part of me almost wanted to go You want to give him against the Spurs. You want to give it to Garland against the Spurs. I almost wanted to do that, and then I did some soul-searching, and I was sitting there, and I was like, is this because it proved me right in some ways, that more people swung to that direction? Am I that self-involved that I'm going to let my bias get in the way of just objective analysis? And then the answer was yes. Yes, I was absolutely about to do that. But you then are I, a maniac. Then I went the other direction because Colin Sexton doing that against the Nets was so huge. Obviously, the national spotlight was there. Uh, the first game for the big three in Brooklyn, uh, hitting the shot over Kyrie. And oh, then the shot also, over Kyrie. And then the shot. Oh, man. It and, was such a fun game. <laughs> and <laughs> also just how much emotions had swung that week is something that I thought about as well because you started things off with the Jared Allen trade uh, within seven days of there. Then you had the Kevin Porter Jr. locker room situation. Uh, it was clear. I can't remember if they had traded him yet at that point, uh, but that reporting was out there at the time. And for Sexton to go out there and do that was just, okay, you know what? Things might be all right. You know, yeah, we we have this guy that that is performing at an all star level this year, uh, that is stepping up against some of the biggest stars. Uh, that that was just oh, such a I great. I just forgot game. about it. We're we're playing the, the the highlights on if you're watching live on YouTube. I forgot about the tip in on the air ball. 
he was so special down the stretch. Like that, that's the thing that really stands out is the number of clutch plays and the ways that he really elevated his game. Uh, I, I remember Isaac Okoro was phenomenal in that game as well. Like you, you got some really he good was role players. all player. over Harden, like white on rice, man. Mm-hmm. Nance was great. Uh, Jared Allen was really good in the minutes that he had in that game as well off the bench. Like that ev- shot on Kyrie was so amazing. I could, and it was like I knew it was cash too, which is weird because he's not a great pull up shooter. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least an organic one with dudes all over him. And man, he was just so insane in the game. <laughs> oh man that that's a game we're always going to look back fondly like that that's one of those games it reminds me of like Kyrie against the thunder way back like the, those ones that really stood out god that... i remember that Kyrie thunder game so clear i remember he had an absurd finish over ibaka oh. like yeah it's special it's... stuff matt like it's really yeah, special and, stuff and, like we and you know maybe that maybe this rebuild isn't going anywhere and you know the the, the unhappy folks that don't like the direction of the team maybe they're right who knows you know it the this stuff is hard, but like you watch you watch games like this and you go like, garbage teams don't get this kind of fun stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Nah, yeah, absolutely. There are so many more. Even if the season ended up worse, you know, win loss uh, wise from last season or close, like the the highs of this season were just so much higher. It, it really was, and it gives me it gives me that glimpse of hope because I, I really do think like if this team was more healthy, they would have been in that mix for the plan. And we've talked about how teams needed lucky breaks uh, in team building. And usually when those lucky breaks happen, it's something that's apparent in hindsight, but maybe not apparent in real time. Like when Steph got hurt and then he signed that value contract, you, you would think, okay, this guy that you're banking on with a high lottery pick, he's might not pan out Monte Ellis versus Steph uh, Golden State tried trading <laughs> Steph and Clay for Chris Paul like there were so many things at the time that weren't working out for them and then it ended up panning out I really do think if they get some lottery luck if they're healthy if they retool the roster um, things could be turning around in a very very short period of time and it's performances like this that, that give me hope like we've really kind of gone into the minutia when it comes to Sexton of trying to value him. What, what do you pay him? Like all those conversations. And when you're doing that, it's easy to get away from the emotion of basketball and, and forget about kind of what he brings from an entertainment value. So I, I think that it's valuable to look back at moments like that and, and remember just how much fun it was in real time. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, great moment. And it was the first time app since decision 2.0 that i felt like the people were excited about the calves yep. you know what i mean um and then like that's just funny you kind of forget like you you forget how fun it is to have people like ask you like oh what's happening over there mm. you know what i mean uh like and, and kind of chatting with friends or even even coworkers, things like that and, and outside of the nba twitter sphere you know the the Cavs being nationally nationally relevant for the right reasons is very, very fun. And I can't wait for it to be the case again soon. Me too. And I've seen a few people talk about, oh, are they going to do um, panic shortcut moves? And I, I really want to hear that quantified of what a shortcut move is. Like, is trading for Jack- Jared Allen a shortcut move? No, no, that fits the core. Like, I, I think if you're adding any talent, like 25 or younger, 
uh, that's not a shortcut. That is guys that can help contribute now. And I, I really think like you're, you're going to be adding a top 10 pick this year. You're already got guys that you're really invested in that you believe can be something. This has to start turning around. Like there, there has to be a sense of urgency that these guys need to start playing winning basketball because you see like the growth becomes exponential once they're in those situations. And I, Hi, I do sons. think that they're, yeah, yeah. Like I, I really do think that they're on the verge of it. So I'm, I'm hopeful going into this off season, but I'm also nervous as hell because I know how important it's going to be. Carter, the one award left MVP. Who do you got? Uh, for the MVP of the 2020-2021 NBA season, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. it's Colin Sexton, man. Yeah. I think that his... I think it's weird where Darius very clearly established himself as the future of the team, but the consistency that Colin brings to me, like it, like if I just, like on a night-to-night basis, it's like, who can I count on? I always can count on Colin. For pretty much the same performance every night. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't... If your pick was Garland, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. But, like, to me, it was just, like, this is the guy that, like, was just... He he, he was more available, in my opinion, uh, and more consistent throughout the full year. I, I want to give him credit for, as you mentioned, his first year where he actually didn't have that terrible start to the year where he was yeah. efficient from the beginning and how he figured out how to stay efficient even when the jumper left him midseason. I think it was just a very, very exciting year if you're a Colin Sexton fan. And I think it's a weird spot where you probably don't want him to be your MVP. You want <laughs> Darius to play so well every game that he just becomes that guy. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, between injury concerns and you know, I, I think Darius got better throughout the year. Yeah. I don't think Darius started the year nearly as good as he ended it. And to that end, if if we're evaluating the full year, it's Colin Sexton for me, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I, I think the most impactful player was Larry Nance. Like, if he played more, I'd yeah, probably give, more, man. I'd give the award to him, but he didn't. So you, you kind of have to deal with that reality. I think your points about Sexton are really good. I, I do think that the reliability that he brought to the table was great like he he was consistently there you knew what you were getting from him on a night-to-night basis it's the making everyone else around him better that makes me go garland because he was at a different level this season like the the playmaking was really really good um he missed a lot of those opportunities like there was creation that wasn't being reflected in the box score early in the year especially that's a great point especially when he was passing to uh andre drummond did you see my set that i tweeted out because i i I tweeted that i felt like drummond had cost garland three assists a game did did you see that tweet no okay i did not see that so i i then looked at it on kind of what the stats were how many assists garland averaged per hundred possessions with drummond on the floor versus allen it was 2.1 more with Allen. It was 9.1 uh, assists or 9.6 uh, assists per 100 possessions with Allen on the floor. Um, like just looking at the impact stats, like I, you look across the, the board, no matter what it is, some of them I don't value as much. Like what 538 puts out, I, I don't necessarily value it. But when it tells me one thing, when on off numbers tell me one thing, when my eye test tells me something else, like I just value the ability to make everybody else better. And it just 
to me, as much as I, I think Sexton is the more reliable scorer, he's the, the more reliable guy when you need to get those points, when you, you know what you're getting on a night-to-night basis. Garland just was such a connecting piece, and he made everybody else better, that, to me, he was my pick. Now, this is obviously um, marinated in my bias, in me being such a big Garland believer and him kind of living up to the expectations that I set for this season. Um, but that that's kind of my rationale. But I, I would not fault anybody if they said Sexton. I, I know I'm going to get some pushback on Twitter. Shout I don't out think here. you will. I don't I, think you will. I think, I think Cavs fans are much more enamored with Garland than they are with Sexton at this stage. And, you know, I think my guy here is going to mention something. Oh, yeah. Bless up, Hiram. We're, we're happy to <laughs> hear from you whenever. But, yeah, I mean, Garland, I think the Spurs game really was, in a lot of ways, the culmination. You know, it was exactly what we wanted to see from him. Uh, all, into, all in one tidy package. The fact that the playmaking doesn't get worse when the scoring goes up. The fact that the three-point volume has guys scrambling and diving at him to try to get him to run him off the line. It was exactly what you want to see. Is exactly, I feel like it was a good microcosm for the second half of his year before he got hurt. And I'm very, very excited to see what he's going to bring to this team next year because I think next year should be, I'm hopeful at least that next year is the star turn, you know, mm-hmm. where everyone else realizes that this is, you know, a, a top guard in the league as opposed to a promising guard in the league. Yeah, you look at April, 15 games of 21.5 points, 7.3 assists, and a true shooting percentage of almost 59. Like, that is really legitimate, and and that was in some of the most important games of the season. Now, they they didn't win them all, and um, he he kind of had a a couple moments where uh, he had turnovers late in games and stuff like that. He was exceptional in those moments earlier in the season, and I I think the the clutch numbers for him, um, someone had tweeted out, basically the the field goal percentage in the last four seconds of the shot clock kind of thing and he was at the top like he is one of the best finishers in that situation his handles able to create space um and and he's just understanding the game at a higher and higher level and if that becomes what he does next season like we talked about it with Sexton last year like I, I believe it was like 23 games after the Clarkson trade that he was putting up those stats well, if those 15 games from Garland when he's basically 21 and 7, maybe 21 and 8, if that's who he is as a baseline next season and he's building off of that. I was about to say, if you're Darius, that's your new standard, bud. Yeah. Like, that's what we're expecting from you next season. And if that is what we're going to get, then I think this team's going to win a lot more games. Yeah. And, and if they're competitive, if they're in the top eight when All Star comes around and people are looking at those stats of who okay, who's the most impactful guy on the Cavs. We should probably give them a guy because it's their hometown team. I'm just saying it could be Garland. There's a really good chance. It could absolutely be Sexton. Like if who, he, who is more likely? Oh man. I, I it, think it's Sexton. I'm gonna say I think it's Garland because I, I think Garland will deserve it more, but I think Sexton's more likely, if that makes sense. I think actually Sex- I don't know coaches coaches pick the it's going to be a reserve coaches are going to pick it's going to be Garland if it's yeah. in, if it's either I here's a take I think it's more likely to be Sexton if they fall in the lottery I think if they dr- draft higher in the lottery and it's someone like a Jalen Green or a Cade 
I think Garland, there's going to be a redistribution of who touches the ball, and I still think Garland's going to be the primary initiator. That's I just, a good point. I just think it's going to take some volume away from Sexton. Now, he might yeah, make it, up for it. if it's Scotty Barnes, Sexton's going to score just as much as he always has. Exactly. And, and at that point, if he takes another step up, like let's say it's 26, 27 points per game, and he's still bringing these four-and-a-half assists, yeah, it, it's going to be pretty tough for Sexton not to get in, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> that is putting the cart way ahead of the horse, uh, but sure it's exciting is. to think Let's about. Let's win some games, boys. Come on. Absolutely. I, I, the, the key is they need to win games before any recognition is going to come. I'm not going to get upset about where people rank the young core and whatnot because they need to prove things, and that's not going to happen until they start winning some games. Anything else you want to uh, say before we wrap this thing up, Carter? Uh, it was a hard year. Uh, it was a hard year for everyone. Um, but as I said, I, and, and you know, I think if you just look at the numbers, you might be worried that the Cavs are not on the way up. But again, I, I can't help but feel more optimistic than I did at the end of last season. And I think it's because of the moments like the Spurs game, like the Nets games, that these big, you know, loud statement moments for this for the young players on this team. And I'm very, very excited for next season. I, I am too. I mean, look at last year. Like, we were feeling good about Sexton's year-end stretch, but you had one half of the season where he was not very good, uh, where he had taken a step back, and then he was great. Um, you look at it now. Now you're feeling confident about Garland. You're feeling confident about Sexton. Jared Allen you feel great about. Isaac Okoro really stepped up. Like, you've really gone from one guy that you feel pretty good about but was still divisive to a core four that – People around the league actually credit. Like, they, they think that it's good, and there's the opportunity to add to it in this draft. So this is probably the most important offseason we have had in a very, 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 very long time. I'm really excited for it. Carter? Yeah, I think I think the org knows it, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see how this uh, how this plays out. And ultimately uh cross your fingers some love for some lotto luck gang because uh it matters more than you wish it would yep and we will be podcasting tuesday at uh 7 p.m eastern we'll be going live again on youtube at that point the coin flip uh for the tiebreaker between the oklahoma city thunder will have occurred doesn't actually doesn't actually matter much <laughs> Doesn't matter tons, but it is still interesting. So we'll at least have that information. I'm really excited for Tuesday's pod. We got a really special guest for that one. So keep your guys' eyes peeled for that. Because we are doing a bit of a season wrap-up, I think it's only appropriate that we get some thank yous in here. Um, obviously, massive thank you to all our listeners. You guys, your support has been amazing. The way that you've uh, shared our contact, inter- uh, content, interacted with us, all that has meant a lot. Massive thanks to the Cavs org as well. Like The fact that we've been doing this for a few months and they've really empowered us. Like They've given us the, the freedom to continue to get our takes off and uh, really... like just the, the trust in us to uh do what we do like we we had uh i forget who it was in our discord but they mentioned that they were a little nervous that the podcast was going to change with this changeover and the fact that we've been able to continue to do the same show um is just it, it's so rewarding like that's that's what was promised but the the fact that they've delivered on that has been really really great yeah i mean no notes really uh you know uh, and i i <laughs> just think added that, enthusiasm with that yawn <laughs> well i'm I'm sleepy man it's been a long couple weeks for you boy um but uh yeah i mean not a ton of you know the team has been very very hands-off with us especially editorially i mean all the hands-on is really just help you mm-hmm. know getting us uh you know the kind of 
support we need to help promote the pod. So uh, I think I think people would be forgiven for expecting a lot of hands-on. I mean, honestly, I was expecting it. And that will be just even even with them coming in with the best of intentions of not overly managing us corporations are not built to let two idiots ramble about them on public forums on their (laughs) own public forums for two hours a week and the fact that they've been uh they've let us kind of cook is really awesome and i really appreciate the entire leadership team there uh on the Cavs. absolutely i really appreciate that here at the Cavs, we're part of the team yeah us we can oh let's see where we land in the draft lottery let's let's yeah. figure that out thank you so much to all our listeners you guys really are amazing if you're watching on youtube like and subscribe because it's the best way to help us show up in the algorithms if you're listening via podcast make sure you leave a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe and resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chase at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go cast